podcast delving into what it's like being human in this technological age. My name's Matt. I'll be interviewing people with stories that speak of leaving the familiar and going after the wonder in life. Today, I'll be speaking to my old friend Steve Elliott about life, the past, and what we can do to feel more alive. Yeah, so beginnings. So, what was our beginning? Because we, we had a similar situation didn't we yeah i suppose um what in the faith yeah like in in youth because i remember kind of like when i was young i don't know there was there was it was kind of like a, a almost like a an idea of the future that where there were so many opportunities being young and it was just you know, you could go into this, you could go into that, you know, this. Um, and it was almost like something's been, been lost from being a teenager to, you know, nearly 40. Something kind of progresses where, you know, you, you have to knuckle down and work and stuff and, you know, family life. But... It's it's almost like you know you have to keep things balanced as well and still find the the adventure in life and uh, did you have a similar? Yeah, I mean, I think not being somebody who planned well nor was encouraged to think too specifically about his future. You know, you kind of just stumble through the early phases, probably those years although there was quite a bit of adventure and um you know getting out there in different ways to see different speakers to to explore your faith it wasn't done in it was kind of done in an ad hoc way and uh and you kind of drift a while and then obviously there's a, a kind of a pressing need in you to you know at some point you find a partner and then it's like right okay this this is now a, a flight path. This is marriage, relationship, marriage, home, children, settle down. I mean, it just is, just naturally settles into that. So I think you all go through that. I think obviously some of the, I think some people obviously make the most of those early years before they're in long-term relationships. Um, and... I suppose we used a little bit, a bit to explore our faith. When, when did you feel, you personally, when did you feel most on the edge of your seat? In a good way. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be, you know, 16 to, to, to 8 to 19. Like, you know, financial pressures aren't really that much. Everything you earn was your own just do with what you wanted. And so, you know, I was wanting to find out about my faith and I'd not really got anybody specifically to guide me. 
Um, I've got a few people that kind of give me a few pointers and directions. And I think obviously there was no, you were involved at that time. We, we went to different, a few meetings here and there. Um, and then I was encouraged to go to Toronto. And then, then going to Toronto for six months, you know, you, you were just kind of what's next. What's possible. What's, what could possibly could be around the corner? And I, I just remember doing waking up every day in Toronto thinking, well, wonder what today has in store. And um, as much as, you know, I don't wish to go back at all, that was really, really exciting, uh, waking up, thinking that, that they had significant real possibilities in, in your day. Um, that might not be the last time, to be fair, but that was a significant time. Yeah. Uh, definitely on the edge of my seat every day for an extended period of time. What did that do to you? Um, I think, you know, when you grow up um, and your horizons are only so far, you, you're not quite sure what's possible out there. And, well, you, you have a limit to what you think is possible in, uh, in things of faith, um, in things of opportunity, in things of relationship as well, you know, not just a romantic relationship, but person, interpersonal relationships. And uh, being exposed to there's different cultures, but different Christian groups who viewed me as their their equal and their family. You know, I just got a scope for a little bit of what was possible in God, um, what life in God could be like uh, in a level of excitement and engagement, what um, my relationships in the family of God, the body of Christ, could be like. Um, I, not, none of it was particularly that practical you know none of this is actually how it would actually play out in in the real world but it did like set my sights on a further horizon a further point that more things were possible um and yeah you know that 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 stays with you no matter what other, other things you do in life no matter how many physical restrictions you've got through finance through job through career you, you always know there is something else a little bit more out there and then that in turn suggests with that if that was beyond anything I could have previously thought what what more is there so I think you know it doesn't require for most people a, you know a constant keep you know keep keep having these breakthroughs you just get one push through of the beyond your little world and forever kind of like well who knows how far uh, my relationship with God could be. Who knows how good it could be? Who knows how positive my relationships could be? Who knows how exciting life could be? It, it could be this good again, or it could be even better. So, yeah. Did you feel like you you learned certain things in that period? Do you feel like you kind of do you think you learned more under that pressure and under that kind of adventurous kind of situation, or or less? Yeah, I mean, like, every a lot of people do them, don't they? A lot of people have a year out, and depending on what course they get involved in, depending on what kind of um, activities they do, they're pushing themselves all the time. And they're quite intense. I was very, I was very shy, and, uh, and I just learned to get out there a little bit more. Um, that wasn't the end of that, obviously. But that was the first big push of just getting out, engaging people, having to confront certain insecurities I had. Some of it was quite stressful. 
Um, very small, but because it's such a intense period, that a period of stress is very short and very and very full on. Um, and having to think about how I was perceived by others and whether or not I cared about that too much. And some of it was a little bit stressful, but then it was over and then I was felt a bit more, a bit better. In terms of what I learned, you know, I, I suppose I learned some theological opinions. Um, I learned a bit about myself. Again, I don't think it was a particularly practical time. I think that's one thing I take away. I wish, I wish, you know, for my own son, for Ezra, I hope that in these times of um, adventure and these formative years, not that you can bring them back down, that's often a phrase, bring them back down to earth, not that, but that you can kind of keep that enthusiasm going while um, having some practical application for all that you're going through and, and seeking to maintain that growth when you get back down, when you do actually eventually get back down to earth. You know, because you have these moments of grace, don't you? And, you? and often they fizzle out, but the grace is there for a purpose. The grace is there to enable you to become more established in your in your work with the Lord and in, in in how that worked practically. You know, and how are you going to? I mean, it may just be simple things like you were terrible at getting up in the morning, reading your Bible. Use this enthusiasm, establish that as a good pattern for the rest of your life. Now, I wouldn't say. That I, that it brought that out of me. Really, I think I, I needed a little bit more of that. Really, Martin, my bro- Martin, my brother, when he went to IHOP, and um, I think they've changed it since, but it was quite intense and it was extremely, it was quite practical, and it was very much on you know developing almost almost a monastic life, and I think he was better equipped in some respects to come back to the real world and carry on all that he'd in, in experienced. And obviously that's, we all have that experience going to a conference, going to a, going through some sort of spiritual high, whether it's, you know, maybe your initial conversion or any other time you go through these times and then you really need a little bit of grounding of how you're going to take that and keep that fire burning, whether it's going to just fizzle out. Mm. What, what do you feel like is the thing that you learnt the most from that period in your life to, to where you are now? I suppose it's just a few elemental, simple truths. I believe God really likes me. He loves me, but he really likes me. That This might sound, you know, I can fall far away and when I come back to him, it's not like he's like, right, start back at square one. He's, you know, he's very much like, you know, we know each other. Come on, let's get back on the horse. Wait, let's jump back right on where you left off. Um, so there was some personal things like that in my relationship with God alone. Um, so I feel like we, we kind of automatically uh, land on this route of least resistance um, and society is almost encouraging us to kind of find that that least resistance um even even kind of you know churches or or kind of backgrounds family life kind of encourage it almost um and you know i don't know is do you see much that encourages you in in kind of start adventures or or in, in um 
even to encourage you to to make mistakes you know in life which i feel is so much more important than what people kind of you know suggest yeah you're preaching to the choir and obviously as a teacher i'd much rather could have a go at a problem and get it wrong than not try but people you know being people having the insecurities and the uncertainties there, I would rather not try. I've had a few students flat out admit that to me. One was quite a bright lad. I forget it, he just said, to be honest, sir, I'd just rather not try and not get it wrong than try. And I don't think part of that societal, people like to blame culture and society and everything. It's part of that's human nature. We just, nobody likes to feel like a failure. Nobody likes to think they've done something wrong. And, um, and so we're just more inclined not to bother. Um, it seems like an easy option now. It's like a mental um, exercise, as you will, just to get out of failure. But yeah, absolutely. I'd rather do, you know, I think I would rather a student any day try anything and then I can kind of guide them from there. You tend to learn more anyway from mistakes. And you learn zero by, by not tr attempting a, like a mathematical problem where in doing and making a mistake, there's some quite a lot of emotion attached to that. Where you, I don't want to do that again. Um, not not regret almost, but almost like right, okay, that's something I definitely don't want to do again. I don't want to go down that again. And there's some feelings that says, you know, I'll, I'll get that around next time. And determination to make to better yourself. So it comes with a lot of kind of redemptive emotions um, to make mistakes. Now. As an adult, your mistakes aren't like in the classroom. It can be more significant and harder to kind of manage. I mean, if you mess, make a mistake in your relationship with your wife, it can be difficult. You know, if you make a mistake in your job, it, it can be significant. If you make a mistake in your relationship with Lord, he just welcomes you back. You know, it, it's not like it, it costs nothing. It costs everything. It's the blood of Jesus. But and that's not to be looked down upon, but the arms are always still open. And, uh, and so you might as well, you know, you might as well. I remember hearing, uh, oh, was it? I think it was Heidi Baker speak once about um, one of the children that she looked after. And he was always kind of going off on the rails and, um, you know, going going out and getting getting himself into trouble and leaving the orphanage and, and where they were. And eventually one day he's at an airport and he kind of feels called to come back. And basically he just prays, I think, for an airline ticket. And it all seems highly presumptuous. You know, he's not had this penitent walk. He's not... <laughs> He's, he's not got down on his knees, cried out in, in with the flow of tears. He's just, he's almost been a bit presumptuous. Cried out for a plane ticket. And somehow, I can't remember the circumstances, he ended up getting a plane ticket, going back, going, going straight back to the orphanage, and everything was all kind of squared off. But, you know, we can be a bit presumptuous a little bit at times with God, and I think he allows that. He's um, not, I don't want to advocate presumption. Um, but, um, yeah, I think he's, he'd rather you just. Have a crack. Mm. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, just, I, I kind of wonder because me and Joe, me and my wife, have been talking about recently about um, kind of all the the social media kind of um, 
chat about kind of conspiracy theories and and the, the prevalence of that and 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 almost like the extreme versions of conspiracy theories um kind of going over and 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 accelerating past truth and and knowledge info correct information i just wonder how much that is kind of linked to people's frustration in at their own lives you know a lot of the time you know kind of you know you're, you're not seeing the adventure that you you kind of thought that you might have when you were younger you know you kind of you know you're, you're doing the humdrum of life and it's almost like you know the, the brain the human brain is so wired up for um supernatural kind of uh you know big things that it it searches out the extreme even when it's completely false and completely made up to make you feel more alive you know yeah yeah absolutely i mean i read a paper actually an academic paper on conspiracy theories and pretty much kind of said what you kind of saying there it said nothing particularly special other than obviously the thing you have to be careful with conspiracy theories is all Every now and again, one's true. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to try and evidence, evidence that, but every now and again, something quite unbelievable is actually true. And you just need to look at history sometimes when some, some things out there are, 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 are been proved to be right. So you, there's always that little word of caution. But yeah, absolutely, a lot of it is just a desire to know something that nobody else knows. It makes you feel quite special. I think they'll link there you said it makes you feel alive you're right it does it makes you feel privileged exciting it brings a lot of positive feelings around when that's nothing else particularly going up in your life that seems a bit disparaging of people everybody who believes in conspiracy theories and i don't think they're all got travel lives or anything uh, i think actually matt Bourne, leads to my muse you don't argue that he's got a very exciting life maybe the most you know i don't know how fulfilling it is but certainly exciting he's a big conspiracy guy so it doesn't perfectly fit into that moment but um but definitely yeah i mean i listened to um somebody mentioned to me the other day about the coronavirus in the wuhan lab and there's a woman who was from a, a doctor who was working in the wuhan lab she's come back and she has she's publicly said this was an engineer virus and it, it got got loose. And my immediate response was to disprove that. And the person who was sharing it with me, their immediate emotional response, visceral response was to believe it and to find out this was exciting and true. And uh, I don't know which one's right. I think obviously we do need to be critical thinkers. So maybe you know, not wanting to believe or disbelieve it, but just keeping yourself neutral and going, okay, that's interesting. Let's find out whether that's true. And I mean, I think I've, you know, with a little bit of research, you'd probably find out that wasn't true. I think I, I read, like, I did a little bit of research and I'm pretty sure that isn't true. That what she said is not right, but it's more the inclination to believe something wild and crazy and how it appeals to you. And uh, I mean, you get the thing, conspiracy is like sheep. It's like you elevate yourself to the position of one of the knowing ones and everybody else. No matter all your degrees, all your education, you don't know what I know. And it is 
Right. It does make you feel quite quite alive. Yeah. Almost elitist, isn't it? To a degree, but not intellectual elitism. It's just more. I don't know what you think. Just it's a question. It's a question of source, isn't it? It's a question of what we base our lives on. I think you know, and, and yeah. kind of actually finding out where did this information come from, uh, and can I, you know, um, align myself to that information? Like someone at my work the other day said, uh, it, it, he was moaning about. Um, the presenters on Have I Got News For You being sacked and it was a fairly r racial kind of uh, you know comment and question and I said oh really so where did you get your information from and it just it stopped him in his tracks like because he thought like is this actually true what I'm saying you know, where have I got this from? Where have this, you know, I, I said, who's, who's fed you with this information? Uh, is, is it actually true? What, what the, uh, who were they saying got sacked? They were saying kind of, you know, the the white presenters being sacked for, uh, you know, to, to bring on, you know, kind of people from uh, different, more of a diverse background, heritage background to, to them. And I was like, right. okay, so they were, they were sacked because of that. Where did you get that information from? Is that the BBC that said that? I very doubt that because that would be illegal, what they said, you know. Uh, and that just yeah. kind of stopped him in his tracks. But it's just, just I mean, something to think about. It's like, you know, what is the source of that? But uh, Yeah. I mean, I think it's the only... <laughs> Sometimes I do wonder what the benefit of doing a history degree was. And uh, I did enjoy it. And, you know, maybe there are some benefits, you know, there, there definitely are. Obviously, I wouldn't be able to be a teacher without a degree. But, um, you know, uh, but one of them may have been to provoke me to be more of a critical thinker, um, not to be as reactionary. Most of the people I know who either studied history at university or have had a good look at it really in the past, you know, just had a a good glance through history um not a sensationalist look we'll, we'll just be a little bit more reflective and go right i've seen this before this has happened again it's nothing new current issues of today aren't wildly um new in what in this world and it teaches not to instantly react to things you want to respond rather than react yeah, mm. yeah. i was reading recently uh, uh acts three and it was talking about how uh, uh, the lame guy was um, daily taken to the, the gate called Beautiful. Um, oh, yeah. And it was, you know, and, you know, who knows how many times he was taken to that gate. You know, probably bored most days, probably, you know, run of the mill, same, same old kind of begging, same place same old same old um but you know this specific day you know it all changed for him and you know you know money and gold i have none but what i do have i give to you and after he gets healed it says the whole of the place was filled with wonder and awe 
Uh, and it just it kind of triggered in me. It's like, you know, life can be mundane quite easily. But yeah. those those moments, you know, and everything can change and everyone around you that knows you can be filled with wonder and awe at God because of the moment that you've had. Uh, that really made me think, you know, it's like it's just, it's aligning myself with those moments and being in the right place at the right time. So I just wondered, you know, where, where does your wonder lead you? You know, where, where, where do you think you're going to see that next moment? That's the tricky one because there's the hope of like many Christians is that they see a moment of wonder in their own personal life, maybe in their own in the secret place, in the in the quiet of their own room. You know, it's in many ways, you know, you can go on an adventure throughout your Bible, you know, because you're transported in your heart. To, to in, in, you know, I don't want to sound too poetic, but to, to realms, you know, beyond your imagination, really, that's what God is doing. It's bringing revelation to your heart. And um, so I would suggest that, you know, if you're engaging with God in that way, where he can take you is limitless, but it doesn't necessarily mean you need to leave or do anything practical. But saying that, you know, sometimes doing something practical is a big catalyst to that. Um, one of the things I'd want to do recently, I don't know why, like I said, it's really, I'd read uh, Walk in the Woods by Bill Bryson, and I love the idea of just walking every day through our endless forests for six months. You know, it's never, I, I think it made me feel very old, actually, when I thought about doing it, because I was like, right, when can I actually do this? Okay, Ezra, and any future children, they need to be of a certain age that I could just leave for six months. I also need to be, have enough money to to basically either take a year sabbatical and leave my job. Um, and really, would that even be enough? Because I work in a school year, would I need a little bit longer to go into, I don't know, you know. And suddenly you, you start thinking, well, certainly not for 10 years, maybe not 20 years. And suddenly you think, well, I'll put me in my mid to late 50s. Where am I working now? You know, my life. Uh, so I think I've kind of settled on a halfway house I'd like to do the uh, El Camino de Santo, Santiago across northern Spain um, and maybe do a four week version of this, I think the typical route five weeks and there's multiple starting points so I'd like to do a four week one over a summer holiday not ideal considering how hasty I am being in northern Spain in the middle of the summer but time I've got and I could do four weeks hiking um, I would absolutely love that um, so that's and I think it would be although it's called a pilgrimage um, you know I'm not a Catholic I don't necessarily need to go anywhere in terms of my personal faith but I think it would be a pilgrimage of, of the soul to speak. Um, and I'd you know I've got in mind to uh, do it with some other people maybe not just by myself mm. but yeah, to do that. I think that's a really good intention to have. I think that's really exciting. That's well, of course you'll yeah. Let's do it. Again, let's do it. Imminent. 
It'll certainly it's be more until I can abandon, abandon my wife in jails for four weeks. <laughs> but as soon as I can, as soon as I can get permission for my wife to leave her with the children, uh, with the children, um, four weeks, I will definitely, definitely do it. You know, I, I really, that's something I really, really would like to do. I think it's vital. Um, and, and as soon as possible, yeah, as soon as I can, really. And again, as soon as I can, maybe several years, but mm-hmm. maybe three years, maybe two mm-hmm. years. So, that was the first podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. If you've got any questions or queries or just want to get in contact, please feel free to email me at followyourwonder at mail.com. Until next time, thank you. <laughs>